Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trilio Insights on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Today, we're diving into the complex world of multi-cluster OpenShift, a linchpin in the realm of modern application deployments. As businesses scale and the demand for resilient, cost-effective, and efficient operations crescendos, managing multiple Kubernetes clusters isn't just a challenge, it's an art. Rodolfo Casas is our senior solutions architect here at Trilio and joins me this week to unravel the intricacies of multi-cluster OpenShift, explore the tools that conduct these distributed environments and share tales of transformation from the organizations hitting all the right notes. Rodolfo, welcome. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited for this, Rodolfo. What listeners don't know is that you sent me an, uh, an outline a while ago and then just before we pressed the red button, said, okay, Pete, I have things to talk about. Get ready. That's effectively <laughs> what I heard you say. <laughs> so I'm hoping we can start <laughs> We can start with a, a kickoff on the concept, right? We, we need to talk about multi-cluster OpenShift and, and why it's important. And I know as an experienced trainer, you're going to be able to break this down in such a way that, that I and our listeners will be able to understand and adapt. Where would you like to begin? Yes. Um, so, yeah, OpenShift. Uh, many people is coming to this world of OpenShift, okay? And they, they don't know the whole story. That's why I wanted to more or less talk like a little story, okay? Like uh, the world is the world, the world of IT is changing, right? So uh, internet came, okay? And then small companies, small online retail companies, online stores, streaming services, Netflix, the Spotify's, uh, they came to this world, okay? And then suddenly a small company could become really a big company with millions of users in days or weeks, okay? So uh, there was, that brings issues into the world of IT, okay? So some of the challenges of, of these companies is uh, modernization of systems and uh, adapt to new industry trends and le new legislation, okay? Uh, a global scale, some of these, uh, the Ubers and the Starbucks, all they work in a global, at a, at a global scale, okay? So how do you handle that with legacy tools and legacy environments, legacy infrastructures is really difficult, okay? So I, I, I would like to start with some some new methodologies and what they call digital transformation and with the help of uh, cloud computing, containers, automation. Uh, as a Red Hat instructor, I've, I've seen sometimes companies before, they had a lot of people managing a small number of servers, but now you can find maybe three guys managing an incredible infrastructure. And it's all thanks to these tools like uh, OpenStack, uh, Kubernetes, automation, containerization, okay? A programmability, software-defined networks. It's, it's all very complex, but at the end of the day, it, it allows you to achieve these goals. Okay, so uh, I know you have broken down these concepts into three main sort of, I'll call them buckets for our conversation. Um, what is the, the, the first sort of requirement to be able to transform from this nascent organization to global scale? Yes, uh, so uh, I think it was uh, AWS uh, started with this concept of public cloud computing where they thought, okay, we have uh, a lot of uh, computing resources available for Black Friday and Christmas, and what do we do the rest of this year with it? Okay, we have those servers smoking cigars, as I yeah. say. Okay, so they decided to open up AWS services, and you could hire 
temporarily uh, an EC2 instance or just use some storage from them in the cloud. Okay, at the, at the time when we when I was looking at that, it was like, wow, this is magic. You can have a server really for a short period of time, depending on the size. You pay you pay more money or less money, and you could put some data over there. And it was really cheap and very resilient. Okay, with a lot of nines of resiliency. Okay, uh, that's the public cloud, and that has evolved from just a couple of services in the AWS to I think there are now more than 150. Okay, and now it's not just AWS. Yes, we have Azure, we have Google Cloud, IBM Cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. There are many public clouds, okay? Now, the thing is, not all companies and workloads are suitable for migration to a public cloud, okay? Uh, yeah, the public cloud gives us uh, many advantages, but there are, as I said, not all companies can do that. For example, some critical workloads running in the data centers, they will never will go into the public cloud. Like what? Can you give me an example? What what don't you want to send? What services don't you want to send to the public cloud? Well, if you talk to a public cloud uh, representative or sales guy, they will tell you anything can be run on the public right, cloud. Okay, right. but then then some other people will say, no, my data has to be in my data center, for example, of maybe for some regulatory or compliance reasons, some regulatory requirement requirements from some countries. They no no you, this you cannot run personal customer, you know, health data in the public cloud, okay? Sure. For example, right? Uh, or maybe other, other, other customers cannot run uh, because they have they, they have to re-architect their applications to run in the public cloud and they're not ready yet, okay? okay? Or maybe it's too, too expensive. At a, it's, it is cheaper to run them in the, in the private cloud. Actually, I've seen enterprises going to the public cloud and then they get surprised because, oh, this is more expensive than what I thought, okay? Can we try to go back at least some of our service to the, to the private cloud? I've seen that, okay? okay? And then there's a third model. There's a third model, okay? Why don't we run some workloads in the private cloud and then like OpenStack or Kubernetes, and then we can run some other workloads in the public cloud, okay? Or some of the customers, what they're doing is when they need more computing resources or more storage or certain services from the public cloud, they run some workloads in the public cloud for that for that uh, reason, okay? Uh, there are some concepts that define a cloud, like self-service. For example, that's really important, or scalability, okay? So you can scale up and scale down your applications. Companies like new startups, they can start very small and then grow very easily because you know the the hardware resources are already there you have that in the public cloud now how do i how, why why is scalability useful for me in the in the private cloud okay let's say i have a private cloud like openstack or kubernetes in my data center it is very useful for me if i have the possibility which is already available in tools like kubernetes and openstack you can run uh auto scaling tools so the applications, let's say you have 50 applications, so the applications that need more resources, they will get more resources in real time, and if they need less resources, they will use less resources, okay? So it is the, the cloud concept is very useful in any cl- private, public, or hybrid cloud, okay? Okay. Let's talk about containerization. Containerization. Whenever I, when I, whenever I explain containerization, I just have to bring up my history, okay? I start, one of my first jobs was working in Fujitsu with with big Spark prime power servers, okay? 
selling this prime power with hundreds of CPUs uh, to big banks and big telco companies. Okay, sure. So the goal was to get the most expensive hardware with a very good operating system so it was very reliable and it never fails. It's completely reliable, right? The whole concept of the cloud is not like that. It is assumed everything is going to fail at some point. Right. Sure. So what I need is some some kind of redundancy in every component of my architecture, and that allows me to bring cheap hardware, okay, to all this concept, okay. So uh, that that's it. And then in that world, we would isolate workloads from another using, for example, system boards mm-hmm. or CPUs. Right. Then it came virtualization. So now I could run virtual machines inside of a physical server, okay? And then the next level of isolation is containers. So I can use, I can run my Apache web server or my Nginx web server or my SQL just using a process. I don't need a whole operating system to run one workload. So I can have a lot more of applications using the same amount of computing resources. That is how I explain containerization. Perfect. Now, on top of that, you get a lot of other benefits and features, okay? But that, for me, that's the, okay, let's go. Let's save money because money moves everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, and that that leads to, I think, the next uh, money-saving operation, which is automation, right? That's that's your, that's the third jewel in the crown. Exactly, exactly. How do we manage all this impressive amount of services, networks, software networks, containers, applications, users, systems, clusters? There's no way we can do that without automation. Okay, automation helps you to, uh, well, Automate stuff, okay? So you don't get uh, <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> you, you try to you try to avoid human error and and to speed up processes, okay? In the old times, you get oh, Rudolfo, could you create these five VMs with this operating system and this configuration? They are all the same, right? But I tell you, at the end of the week, I get five servers. None of them are identical, right? Because they are all built built by hand. Right now, with automation, you can do that automatically very fast and they're all the same because they're infrastructure as code. So you just put it in the code, you test it, and then it's going to be the same forever. And you can run that automation in any cloud uh, against one host or a thousand hosts against one Kubernetes cluster or a thousand. It's just, uh, I, when I, whenever I ask any of our, of our prospects of customers, hey, do you use automation tools? Absolutely all of them are using it or in the way of implementing it. Okay, so I, I, those are those are the big three, right? Our cloud, our containerization, mm-hmm. our automation, and that leads us to what? When are we coming back around to your uh, your principal thesis on celebrating OpenShift yeah. together? Yeah, multi cluster OpenShift, OpenShift anywhere. Okay, yeah. so if let's say let's say I'm Red Hat, if my customer wants to run applications in AWS, Azure, Google on-prem, in, in the edge. They built an, a, a product, OpenShift, that can adapt to any of these environments. And you can run OpenShift anywhere, okay? And you manage OpenShift the same way everywhere, okay? 
there are other, there are, I don't know, I think like the last time I checked, there are like 60 conformant CMCF distributions, okay? But they are all managed in a different way. It's like distros. You have Ubuntu, you have uh, Debian, you have Arch Linux, you have Red Hat. Right. They are all managed in a similar but a different way. And the same thing happens to with Kubernetes, okay? Now, you have the power, okay? But how do we, uh, you have the flexibility, but how do you handle, how do you reduce that complexity? Because it's becoming more and more complex every day. Yesterday, I got a message from the, an email from the Linux uh, Foundation saying, hey, previously, if you passed an exam, a certification exam, it was valid for three years. But now, as the amount of changes happen more and more often, we will reduce that to two years. So if you certify with us, you, your certification will only be valid for two, two years. years. You will have to recertify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a proof, a testimony of how quick this is changing. It's just an incredible speed. Give me a sense of when organizations, right? Let's let's say I'm CTO, right? Let's say I'm I'm a chief engineer. How am I going to run headlong into the constraints that require me to consider? how I'm managing across uh, uh, OpenShift. Like what, what is the practical consideration of constraints that, that I need to look into? I'm, I'm sure you're gonna come back to saving money. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is, well, uh, OpenShift is another distribution among, yep. among others, okay? Now, um, given the, the capabilities of OpenShift, uh, their, their multi-cluster architecture, uh, the different software products that they have embedded inside OpenShift, um, we, we truly really consider uh, like a, a market leader. It has a big market share, okay? And it, it is just because of all these reasons. It, it has security integrated. It has policy management with ACM. It's all integrated. It has automation with some Ansible automation platform, okay? So we at Trilio, we, we thought, oh, this is a, we've been partners uh, of Red Hat for many years, okay? And we have adapted our product to have a great integration with Trilio, okay? Now, when uh, when one of the struggles that a CTO will have when deciding what distributions I run, where do I run my or my Kubernetes distribution is, for example, management. Okay, and then it is not the same if you have different distributions in different clouds and also on-prem. They will have a different way of management usually. Okay, and that adds complexity instead of reducing complexity. Okay, with OpenShift you can manage all the same everywhere. Okay, and they have a fleet manager called Advanced Cluster Manager where you can base your configuration in policies. Okay, and that's where I, for, we, for example, decided, hey, we need to integrate Trilio with this Advanced Cluster Manager policies. For me personally, whenever I present, I introduce a product to anyone, I say, listen, you know what? If you're using OpenShift, if you have Advanced Cluster Manager, this is the most simple way to manage your backup strategy. Because you just configure a couple of YAML files, and whenever you add a cluster to your ACM hub, it will install our Trilio operator, and then it will start taking backups automatically. It's all like magic, okay? It's just <laughs> enforced. It's, yeah. a, it's just a, how did we go from Spark servers, where you had to do all manually and be extremely careful, to some place where would you just deploy a couple of text files, and it takes care of everything. It's, for me, this is just crazy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. Un unbelievable. 
Okay, and that's that's I, that is all the thing I wanted to present. Okay, I I am here for it. Can you can you just give me a, a, a state? This is the thing I, I I really love thinking about, which is our place in the the industry. Because what you have described in your own words as magic, uh, it, it, this feels like a thing that we should be seeing a lot of adoption around. Like, are, do you get a sense that the industry is is uh, looking kindly on this? Are we moving in this direction of maturity here? Yes, definitely, yes. Because uh, what happens, a customer starts having one cluster, two clusters, and then QA clusters. I run temporary workloads on a cluster, sure. but then I cannot shut down that cluster because I want to do some testing afterwards. And then another de department has some development clusters or, or telcos. They have hundreds of clusters distributed geographically. So we, we, we can go uh, using Kubernetes or OpenShift. We can go from just two clusters, which, which there are a lot of companies just using two for redundancy, for disaster recovery, okay? Yeah. But there are many companies already having hundreds of clusters, like banks, financial institutions, uh, health companies, especially especially telecommunications companies. Sure. Okay, now all this 5G thing and the open run, um, it, it's bringing a lot of clusters to the table. Okay, so how do how do we manage all that? Okay, so this this uh, you need a a manager, you need automation. You need tools that can, as I said, reduce complexity, reduce complexity, make it simple. Uh, it's, it's just, I always say that, we, do give, we give you the power and we help you to the, reduce the complexity of your architecture. Outstanding. Well, I mean, if, if you haven't given us a testament to reducing complexity while increasing scalability, I don't know how else we can we can make that point. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. This has been great. We uh, So uh, once again, everybody, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate your time and attention. Swipe over in those show notes for this very episode in your podcast player. We've got links to uh, expand your horizons on everything that Rodolfo has been talking about today. And and I am sure Rodolfo's going to be back to talk to me again on this show. And I can't, I am here for it. I can't wait. Thank you again. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. It's going to be great. Uh, on behalf of Rodolfo Casas, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch up with you next time right here on Trilio Insights. Trilio Insights.